0: Hey BSN fans, your favorite Colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the Bar Page where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to BSNBars.com and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the Bar bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsnbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Hey everybody, this is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by InWeGo, Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can, including Avalanche games, for only $39 per month. There's no additional costs or fees. You heard that right. You can get tickets to Avalanche home games with your In we Go subscription for only 39 bucks a month. And it's not just Avs games. It's Rockies, Rapids, Nuggets, Buffs, Concerts, Beer tastings food fests, comedy shows, concerts, and anything else that you can imagine. If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that In We Go can get you in. Here's where it gets good. We partnered with InWeGo to give BSN listeners a great deal. Go to InWeGo.com BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe to get 50% off your first month. That's right, all events in Denver for under 20 bucks during your first month. Try it and fall in love with it just like we all did at BSN Denver. Go to InWeGo.com BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Now, enjoy the show. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network.
1: For the Colorado Avalanche, that's Matt Duchesne. Right now, news is breaking that he has been involved in a trade that has been completed, and it looks like they have pulled him off the ice here after just playing a couple of minutes to start this hockey game.
0: The best Avalanche coverage in Denver at the puck again in the New York zone. Shot, score! Guess who? Guess who? Nathan McKinnon! He just keeps on roaring! Taking you beyond the ice and inside the locker room. Mr. Wright didn't have a stick. The handoff in the slot broken up with a skate by Gerard. He broke up that play! Then he stopped it, man! Oh, wow! What a play by Gerard. <laughs> and now... Here are your hosts, AJ Hafely and Adrian Dater.
2: And welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast, presented by In We Go, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver with promo code BSN50. I'm your host, AJ Hafely, and I am hanging out by myself tonight. Uh, as Adrian Dater had a family emergency this evening, and Jesse Montano is probably asleep by now. So uh, first off, I just want to start the show by wishing AD and his family all the best. Um, you know, sometimes things come up, and um, you know we're just gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna before we get into a, a show with a lot of negative vibes. I really wanted to. Uh, get in, I really wanted to get some good vibes sent, uh, AD's way, hopefully everything is okay with him and his, and, um, you know, maybe he'll, uh, he'll find his way onto the show tomorrow or Friday, uh, assuming things go well. Um, so yeah, let's just go ahead and get right into this here tonight, um, I am here uh, following the Colorado Avalanche's 4-1 loss to the Nashville Predators. Uh, a frustrating evening at Pepsi Center to say the least. Uh the Avs have now lost, I believe, 6 of 7 games and um straight up are not looking very good. Um they did not play a great game tonight, especially uh early. I thought that they uh they were very loose defensively early on in the game, and gave up a couple of uh, pretty pretty good scoring opportunities, and some craziness happened, and it was an interesting night. So, I promise we'll get to uh, I'll get I'll get to as much of that as I can tonight. But uh, first, I think um, I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up here a little bit. Um, I'm we're gonna talk about officiating tonight, uh, at least for this first segment. So if you're one of those people who really doesn't like listening to conversations about uh, officials and rules and any of that um just straight up just go straight to segment 2 because I'd like to just open up the show and just talk about some officiating because it played a huge role in tonight's game. Um I'm not going to get into any kind of conspiracy theories and I don't want to I don't want to do any blame game. I'm not saying that's why the Avalanche lost. Um but you can't have a pulse and watch tonight's game, and and not feel like uh, officiating in the way that the rules were set up and and how everything uh, is uh, being called in today's NHL is not is not having an impact on some of these games. You know, the Avalanche uh, did lose four to one. The fourth goal was an empty net goal, but uh, they scored three on the night, and two were called back on coaches' challenges on uh, offsides calls that we're, we're going to go with inconclusive. Uh, I feel like inconclusive is fair. Uh, I definitely want to start with the Sam Girard one. Um, it It's, uh, to my eye, it's almost identical to what um, Colorado went through in Game 82 against the St. Louis Blues last year. And that goal stood up. They, uh, they called that one a good goal. And tonight, in a very similar situation where... Uh, it looks like the puck may have just barely—I mean, just barely—we're talking about millimeters eked out of the zone um, on a on a brilliant spin move by Sam Gerard where he uh, made the spin move and then held his guy off and worked the puck down low and and worked it up the wall in a, in a round and around, uh, and it ended up—it uh, turned into a goal from from Ian Cole. I'm sorry for that rhyme; it was unintentional. Um, and, and it was a great, it was a great goal. It was a great play by Gerard, and all of it ended up not mattering at at all. It ended up officially, uh, not even happening as the, uh, when, when Gerard made the spin move at the blue line, the puck came out of the zone and, and questionably came out of the zone. There wasn't, there wasn't a clear camera angle that showed obvious separation between the puck and the blue line, uh, and if you do remember back to the St. Louis game, um, that's where all the conversation about the parallax came in, and you're, you know, the the, the way that it, it it kind of bends because the blue line is not on the surface; it's a couple feet below the ice, and uh, you know it's and it's chopped up, and you can't quite tell what's blue and what's not, and, and it just, to me, it just was not clear. It was not clearly out of the zone. Um, there have been, um, and, and, and it was called, it it was, you know, it was called in, uh, it was called inside the zone, uh, on, on the ice, obviously, otherwise the play would have stopped right there. Um, but it's, it, it. I'm looking at it, I'm literally looking at it right now I'm looking at a blown up screenshot of of the moment where it supposedly came out of the zone and you just can't tell you cannot tell if uh if it's if there's clearly white there i'm I'm honestly I am surprised that they called it back uh, and it's funny that people can see the same thing um and and come to two and strongly come to two different conclusions and <laughs> because I saw people on both sides. Uh, abs fans on both sides saying, "Oh, that's clearly offside," or "That's that's clearly onside." You know, and and to them it was it was it was obvious as can be. Uh, to me, this one wasn't. This one certainly wasn't obvious. Um, I I really I'm I'm literally looking at it right now and I just can't see it. Um, it's that's that's a tough one. And then the uh, the second one happened on the entry of the play. When uh, when Alexander Kerfoot lifted up his leg and the puck was in the air. And I've first off, I've always thought like as as much as I give Linesman a hard time for being very incompetent, um I've always thought that the puck in the air one, how do you time a puck in the air with the guy, you know, crossing the blue line like that's crazy. And we saw that difficulty again tonight. Uh, it was about, I, I, I counted I, about 15, 16 seconds. Um, somewhere in between 15 and 16 was, was what I had on my stopwatch when I uh, used my phone uh, to, to to see how much time it was between entering the zone and Colorado actually scoring the goal. Uh, this was in the third period that would have made it 3-2 to two with about uh, 12 and some change left to play. And, um, first off, it was a great play by Ian Cole, um, who unfortunately, um, you know, lost two points. He lost a goal and an assist tonight on the, uh, on the challenges, but, um, going back in, and this one actually caused a lot of confusion in the arena. Um, and, and certainly for myself, because the, the broadcast on NBCSN, was showing uh, replays of the zone entry, and the people running the uh, the jumbotron in Pepsi Center couldn't couldn't do, were not showing that replay. They kept showing a, a replay of um, Patrick Nemeth, I believe it was Patrick Nemeth, keeping the puck in uh, in inside the zone, and it very clearly wasn't it wasn't even close to offside. And that was the only thing we kept seeing replays of. And so that's one reason why the crowd was so angry. Um, I mean, obviously they would have been angry anyway. But the only replay we were being shown in the building was uh, on a on a a play that was not even close to offside. They did not show us the zone entry with Kerfoot or any of that. So what they were looking at on NBCSN's feed, as well as and more importantly uh, on the iPad down in in the referee as they were doing the reviews. Um, they were different things, so it caused mass confusion for us up up top, because we had no idea what in the world they were looking at. Uh, and I even put out a call on Twitter and said, "Hey, can somebody send me something? Because I don't know what the hell they're looking at that that could say uh, that this is uh, this is offside." Um, but we uh, we were able to get our hands up top. We were able to get our hands on a, on a replay. Uh, of a of the NBCSN feed and and we were able to work it back for the for the the review and and the whole situation we finally were able to get our eyes on it and tough call uh to me that one looked a little I I could definitely see where they would say hey that's probably offside but again I I think those waters were really muddied it's not a clear picture um these the the cameras on the blue line are apparently the first cameras ever made, uh, because they're. I mean, it's it's crazy that I can have a four K resolution uh, monitor and and television, and I can I can see insane details in video games and movies and TV shows, and I can I you know and these resolutions are just incredible, and here in professional in professional sports arenas. We've got these grainy ass cameras that make the Zapruder film look like high definition, and you know we're we're trying to pick out literally millimeters of of calls here that are changing games. I mean, let's be honest; these are changing games, and this is the second time in three weeks now that Colorado has gotten um, you know been on been on the wrong end. Of the lifting the the leg having the leg hover over the ice instead of it being on the ice rule, um, you remember uh, a couple weeks ago against Tampa Bay, uh, the one goal that Colorado scored in that game was disallowed because Joe's leg was not he was not dragging his foot his leg was off the ice that was the same call as tonight um, where Alexander Kerfoot's leg uh, was deemed to be. Um, off the ice, and he it was he was he was determined to have entered the zone before, um, and and this is the one that I think is going to cause way more of the frustration because, um, you talk about impact on the play, and again you're talking I are mean, talking about 15 seconds. Kerfoot touches the puck in, uh, in the corner, and all he does is cycle the puck. Moves the puck to the guy three feet away from him, and it, it doesn't play any like really like major role in the goal being scored. Um, it's, it's it, it doesn't change anything, and it's very frustrating that 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 the 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 leg you know it's it's over the blue line, but it's on the blue, not on the blue line. And what the I mean, what the hell is the difference? How is how is it that he's gaining some sort of a, of a discernible advantage simply because he's not dragging his toe, and and that you know for me I, I I'm real frustrated by that. These offside challenges are, have always been kind of silly. Um, they treat them, you know. I, I I pointed this out the last time we had to go through this bullshit, uh, but they treat they treat these uh, offside reviews, you know. Millimeters. I mean, we're, we're stopping play, and we're, we're breaking down the camera angles, and we're millimeters. But when it comes to icing, r- officials regularly, regularly just eyeball it and say, eh, he was close enough. You see guys every single NHL game that gets played, you see guys who are a foot away from the, the center line Firing pucks down into the end and they just let it go. They're, it's just like, ah, uh, no big deal. You know, it's, oh, it's, it's fine. Don't even worry about it. It's not a big deal. Who cares? It's not making a difference in the game. And that's, you know, and it's icing and everybody lives with it. But for some reason, these offside reviews, we're, we're now talking about millimeters. You know, the whole point of offside is so that you, you avoid cherry picking. You avoid... Giving the offensive team uh, a an, an advantage and getting behind the defense and being able to chill there, you know, and and, and creating these, these crazy breakaway situations. And what in what way did the Avs gain any kind of an advantage simply because Kerfoot's leg was over the blue line instead of touching it? It's it's silly. It's I mean there's no way this is good for the NHL. Whether whether you believe that the calls were correct or incorrect, there's no way you can convince me that this is good for the NHL, that this is this is good for the league, that that the sport is is better off because these rules are in place. You know, you can always make the argument of, well, they need to you know the point is to get the calls correct. You know, if Jesse were here, he'd be flipping out about you know going on about reviews. On, on various penalties. and if the whole point is to get the call correct and that's the bottom line, then he's absolutely right. You have reviews for everything because this this millimeter nonsense, this 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 is changing games. If the guy can't see it live and it happened to him twice tonight, you know, these guys make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. You know they're they're very well paid. they're very well compensated for a admittedly a tough job. I mean, I, I trash talk linesmen all the time, but it's not an easy gig, and these guys can't do it at full speed, and you're having to have, you know, five-minute reviews because you're having to wind, you know, you're looking at nine different angles trying to piece this thing together and, and figure it all out and, and, you know, try and come to some sort of conclusion. You're, t- Yeah, do you want more scoring in your game or not? Is this good for your game? Is this honestly good for the game? You know, and it's, and it's easy for me to sit here and say that. You know, I cover Colorado, and Colorado's been on the wrong end of three of these in the last couple of weeks. And so, you know, I get to look, you know, I get to play the, I guess I'm playing the homer role here. But I just don't see where the game is better off because these th- How Would the game on a nationally televised game, would the game have not been better off being 3-3 in the third period? You know, between two division rivals? And instead it's 3-1 and one team and 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 one team feels like they've been completely screwed and the other team is just like, "Oh, well those were the right calls because of the grand total of maybe 1 full inch that they might have been offside, that they were inconclusively offside between two different plays. How is that how is that good for your game, especially on a national televised scope like that?" How is this how is this okay? And then how are hockey people continuing to be okay with this? How is it that the people running the league continue to be okay with this madness? You talk I mean everybody who loves hockey loves it with every fiber of their being and they want to make the sport better and they want it to grow and they want the best most exciting version as often as they can get it. And instead you're you know we we could have had an exciting 3-3 game in the third period. We could have even just had an exciting 3 to 2 game in the third period. Even after one of them got disallowed. And instead, you know, we're talking we're talking about goals being disallowed. And and I think it's telling that if you actually go and look at the recap on the on nhl.com and you go look at the league's very own website and you watch highlights of the game, there are no highlights of any of the reviews. It's like they never happened. It's to me that's crazy. They're trying, and, and and that's, I, I'm at a loss. Honestly, I, you know, I I try not to get too upset about officiating, and I try to focus on the game. Uh, you know, Jared Bednar said it well after the game, and he said, you know, none of that changes our, our poor execution. And there's no doubt, let me let me get all this out and just say that there's no doubt the Avalanche were the inferior team on the ice tonight. They were outplayed. Uh, they were outgunned. Nashville was the better squad. Nashville absolutely deserved the two points. But that doesn't just erase what happened on the ice. And even, even if you disallow the first goal and you just let the second goal stand, you're talking about a one-goal game in the third period. Anything can still happen in that situation. You know, and I just – and it and the that review took the wind out of the sails of the building. It looked like it took the wind out of the sails of the players, certainly from Colorado. As uh, they uh, – Nashville continued to just happily grind away and clear pucks out and do nothing. And just sit back on the lead and say we're going to gear this down, or we're going to get out of here with two points. And you know they were successful, but it sure it sure was frustrating to watch from a Colorado perspective. I, you know, I'm 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 disappointed that we had to sit through another one of these. And I I really do hate talking about officiating; it drives me crazy. But there was no way you could tell the story of tonight's game without getting into it. Uh, I really do hope that the NHL chooses to review its offside policy. And make some common sense changes to it. You know, I'm I I don't have a strong opinion about the reviews existing or not existing, but there needs to be some sort of adjustment to it. First off, the whole leg over the the blue line thing. Uh, I think they need to add that in there. Whether his foot is on the ice or not, I don't. I just don't. The point is to keep him within you know within range of the blue line, you know, and and if if the if the leg is hovering over it. You know, I just I don't feel like it makes a huge difference there, um, and the 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 spirit of the rule is still being uh, upheld. And I just I think they should def that's one change that they should one hundred percent make in my opinion. Um, and then, you know, the the with the way that they do these reviews, man, this this just isn't it's not good for anybody. I don't I don't see how anybody benefits from this, and obviously, night well, I guess Nashville benefited from it quite a bit tonight. But you know, there was once upon a time where Nashville got screwed when they're you know, when they on an offside on their own. and it feels like Colorado's been paying for that for a long time. um this was this was certainly just a, a frustrating night, you know the the combination of the Avalanche not playing well again and uh it being an opponent like Nashville, and there's still a lot of bad blood uh, between the Avs and the and the predators and uh, certainly fans are not certainly the fans are still not happy uh, that the predators exist. Uh, but um fr- a frustrating night. Let's just let's just I'll just say it was a frustrating night and we'll move on to the second segment. I'll get into the game. We'll talk some good, talk some bad. There was uh there was plenty of both to go around. Um yeah, so I think I'll do that starting next segment. Um this is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go. I'll be right back.
3: There's nothing more important than family, and for more than 100 years now, customers have turned to Farmers, New World Life Insurance Company, and agents like Bryce Babcock to help protect the financial security of their loved ones.
0: What makes us different, first off, is we're, we're completely
2: customer service oriented, meaning that our goal is every day to be available. The other piece, too, is that I'm young. I'm 31 years old, and so I'm, I'm hungry, and I'm very motivated every single day to continue to make this agency grow, and, and that's just something that you know I, I think that I bring that. a lot of other
0: agents do my initial thought was it's expensive and i just don't have money to invest in my long-term future everything i have i need right now but once i started looking at the options it's an absolute no-brainer you can find a life insurance plan that works for you and you should it's not just about death either there's whole life insurance policies that actually have cash value that build over time and so on so bryce will break all of that down for you for free The call is a no-brainer. You have to do it.
3: Brandon's 100% right. Plus, Bryce is even giving out a deal specifically for BSN listeners.
0: I'm
1: going to go ahead and send out a
2: $10 Starbucks gift card right right off the bat. And so you don't have to do business with us. You don't have to. There's no payment needed or anything like that. It's something that we're going to do for anyone that comes in from BSN. gives us an opportunity to earn their business.
3: Call 303-996-6509 today. That's 303-996-6509.
1: This episode on the BSN Podcast Network is brought to you by Total Beverage. With more than 70,000 square feet between their Westminster and Thornton locations, there's literally no drink you can't find.
3: I love Total Beverage. I go there probably once a week.
1: That's BSN sales director, Lindsay Sauer. She's a regular at Total Beverage.
3: I know when I go in there that I am going to get uh, the best bang for my buck, hands down.
1: And if you can't make it in the store, don't worry. Just go to TotalBeverage.net and place an order online.
3: I have also taken advantage of their delivery service. They always give me, um, you know, an hour window. I don't have to wait around all night or all day.
1: And make sure to like the Total Beverage Facebook page to see weekly specials. Remember, for wine, beer, spirits, go to Total
2: Beverage all right welcome back in segment number two here the bsn Avalanche podcast presented by in we go Uh, unfortunately another solo cast version here as uh one of my co-workers had something come up and the other one you know has a job that he has to go to in the morning so that's that um okay segment two here uh we're gonna actually talk about the game and not talk about you know questionable officiating and and I, you know, I didn't even get into the penalty calls of the game in that last segment because certainly could have done that, but not going to. We're going to move on as promised. Um, first off, Colton Sissons has a friggin' hat trick. Colton Sissons, he of, I believe, after tonight, uh, he has twenty six career goals. No, it says twenty three career goals. That does not look like it's been updated. But I'll just do the math here real quick. Yeah, 26 career goals. All right. I didn't think it was crazy. Uh, Okay, so 26 career goals. He has eight of them against the Avalanche in 10 career games. That does not count the six points he put up in the six-game playoff series against the Avs. Uh, which he followed up with a zero-point performance in seven games against the Winnipeg Jets. So, Colton Sissons, and there was no Austin Watson tonight to tag-team this, to tag, this, uh, to tag to, uh, you know, as as Austin Watson is the other no-name guy uh, to, I you know, I'm, I don't want to say no-name, like he's a nobody. Colton Sissons is a good player, uh, but lesser-known lesser, lesser known player to, to just destroy the abs. Uh, Colton Sissons... Um, three goals tonight and a nice little variety of them too As one of them. He, um, he bangs home a loose puck in which, uh, you know, watching the play and, and kind of going through it a little bit, you can see, um, big, big communication issue as, uh, Sam, Sam Gerrard and Ian Cole were clearly not on the same page as far as coverage goes on that first goal. Uh, they're flying through the neutral zone, and what I liked from what Nashville did is that they they did something that the Avalanche actually don't do very well. Uh, Nashville clogged up the middle. They moved the puck through the middle. Matthias Ackholm did, and uh, he found a guy cutting to the net. And um, when he did that, they caught it caused all kinds of breakdowns in Colorado's defensive structure. And Gerard got caught puck watching. Now Ian Cole. Um, rotated properly and moved over to Bonino who was no big deal, you know, and, and fought the puck off, but the puck ended up right on the stick of Colton Sissons and Sam Gerrard was uh, too slow in rotating, did not read the play, lost his man and, uh, Sissons banged home, banged it home pretty easily. Uh, not and and from a goaltending perspective, I don't really think there's much Varley can do on that. He's he's worried about Benino, who had gotten behind Ian Cole, and so he had to slide over and fully commit to stopping Benino. And when that happened, he wasn't quite able to get over quickly enough to uh, to stop Sissons. Uh Tough. Tough assignment there. Uh, the way that they, they moved through the zone and they actually clogged it all up in the middle and they caused that confusion among Colorado's defenders, that's good work by them. And Colorado needs to communicate much, much better on its back end. We've talked about that. That communication has been an issue in the past. Um, certainly this season, as these guys are all adjusting to, to new pairings and different partners and you know different roles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Gerard and Cole are two guys who have not spent an abundance of time together. So it's not surprising that they uh, they would run into some communication problems the way that they did. Um, yeah, so tough, tough first goal there. But, I mean, more good work than by Nashville. Um, and really, it was just Sam Gerard losing his guy. Uh, second goal... From from Sissons is is one that I really I I felt strongly that Varley should have had. Um, it was it was kind of a a, a clogged play along the wall, and uh, Nashville was able to to break it open and to to freely move the puck into uh, into the zone. And I don't feel like you know Gerard Gerard looked like he the way that he was playing it initially. It looked like he was playing it like he was. It's it's a two on one, uh, and he wasn't entirely incorrect as Eric Johnson was uh, caught a little bit uh, caught a, a little bit out of position, and it kind of looked like he was it was a two on one. And so Gerard's spacing uh, he gave he gave Sissons on the wall a much larger gap than he otherwise would have given him. Uh, had it had had Johnson been a little bit closer to the play, and that was the read that Gerard made. He said, oh, i'm 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 in a two on one situation. I need to give this guy more of a gap. Uh, had Johnson been a little bit closer to the play or Gerard had just made a little bit of a different read, I think you can you could have expected Gerard to have closed that gap on Sissons a little bit more and been uh, and contested the shot, regardless. That's a shot that Varley really needs to stop and that's the kind of shot we haven't seen uh, beat Varley much this season. you know Varley's Varley's played very well and um, I mean and and I wrote it in the grades tonight that's that's a shot that I watch Varley stop 25 times uh, every practice. no problem. Uh, it's it's not it's it's just this little quick half slapper. it's not very hard. It wasn't even particularly well placed. Um, it just it' snuck under his blocker arm and you know that that seems you know you you wonder if if maybe that's been an issue we've seen him get beat blocker side a couple of times recently and um just not not good it, for me that was not good enough uh from varley even though there was there was a bit of a defensive breakdown but the the quality of chance there I mean you're talking it just wasn't very high. And then uh, Sisson's third goal—it's—it's uh, it's on a you know that whole the whole situation leading up to that was actually frustrating. Uh, your your final final thirty seconds final minute uh, of the second period, you're down two one. Uh, Nemeth goes to clear the puck and and misses it. To me, it looked like it was a pretty good pass. I'd have to I have not seen a replay of it, but live I thought it was a pretty good pass. And then, um just it just it, it looked like Rantanen wasn't ready for it he just missed it i'm not i'm not sure what it was and then Rantanen Rantanen compounded the problem uh by by slashing the the guy with the puck and it, and i can already hear somebody listening to this saying it was a weak call and i totally agree it's soft uh it didn't really have any kind of an impact on anything um it was not it's not it's not a great not a great call to me I thought it was I thought it was a weak call but I also thought it was a really lazy penalty from Rantanen. Uh the he put himself in a position to have that call made against him and that was really my big problem with it. Uh he's got to know better, he's got to do better. He can't he can't be lazily slapping at guys like that with his stick uh, and and had he just taken the Nemeth pass uh properly and and exited the zone, none of those things happen. That created the power play, uh, and then with 3 seconds to play, Kyle Turris is one-timer as they, they ran a cute little play down low, uh, and Zadorov. Uh, so they, Soderbergh doesn't have a stick, stick is broken, and so they've got more space than normal, and the guy that Soderberg normally would have been covering uh, was Kyle Turris in the slot, and so they ran the puck down low, where they had a space and numbers advantage. Uh, because Nieto could not collapse on that guy because he's got to respect the cross ice pass to Ryan Ellis for the one-timer. And so stickless Carl Soderbergh um, has to go over and, and try to somehow disrupt the the one-timer that Kyle Turris gets off. He's obviously not able to do that without a stick because he's behind him. Um, and then the uh, the Turris one-timer is actually deflected by Sissons, who's standing right in front of Arley, uh uninhindered by... A uh, 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 rotating Nikita Zadorov, and um, yeah, so that one's tough just because uh, Cole was trying to compensate for uh, Soderberg not having a stick, and so he moved all the way over, and uh, Zadorov was with Nieto and trying to cover the cross ice, um, cross ice feeds. And so uh, when Cole overcompensated for for uh, Soderberg, that left uh, that left uh, Colton Sissons in front of the net by himself, and he was able to get a free deflection as Zadorov was still rotating over. So it's a lot to ask that right defenseman uh, on the on the PK unit to be standing ultimately what was left of the goaltender. So that's that's. A long way for him to go, and it's it's very rarely a situation. There's very rarely a situation where he should be doing that in the first place. But with the broken stick, uh, it's almost like playing a five on three and not uh, a five on four anymore. And Colorado did not adjust to that situ- situation as quickly as they should have. And Colton Sissons gets the uh, gets the hat trick and then the empty net goal at the end for uh, for the topper. Uh, Colorado's one goal. Matt Calvert got his first goal uh, as a member of the Avalanche on a deflection that also went to review. It was originally waved off by uh, referee Gord Dwyer, who was not the referee we ended up talking about tonight. Um, it was a good deflection on a on a Gerard uh, slap shot from the uh, from the point. Gerard had two points tonight, and one of them actually counted. And it was this one on the Calvert deflection replay. Clearly showed that the stick was below the goal, uh, the uh, the crossbar, and that it was a good goal. Uh, it was <laughs> of the reviews tonight. <laughs> it was by far the most uh, most conclusive. It was definitely the most obvious of the three uh, of Colorado's uh, reviewed goals tonight. And uh, hey, good for Matty Calvert to get his first in an half sweater. Uh, he definitely needs to get going um, In a lot of ways He's he's lived up to what the Avalanche Were hoping to get from him um, But offensively That certainly is not the case He has not Brought the uh, I guess you could even say tertiary scoring That they were hoping to get from him But Hey, on a mini upside He's now outscoring Blake Como Who's the guy he replaced so Blake Como has uh, only got two points uh, in in his in in Dallas right now. So it's uh, it's the battle of the bads, as you know. I know Avs fans were well, they should have just kept Blake Como. Matt Calvert sucks, and you know well as of right now, Matt Calvert's winning that that scoring race, that thrilling scoring race, uh, three to two. So I I guess good for Matt Calvert. Um, I mean, certainly it was cool to see him get that goal uh, tonight ultimately uh the Avalanche uh, the another another slow first period really hurt them I thought uh, I thought that they played pretty straight up against Nashville after the first period uh, there was a huge advantage for for Nashville in uh, in the in the shot share uh, it was uh, 28-13 at 5v5 in period number one in shots it actually ended up being 16 to 10. Uh, but they had a 12-6 to 6 scoring chance advantage and high-danger chance 5-4. to 4. Um, So Colorado did a good job of, of creating and limiting uh, high-danger chances in the first period uh, and second period. As, as Nashville at 5v5 uh, went uh, 5-4, 5-4 in periods 1 and 2 in high-danger chances uh, at the end of the game. Uh, it was a 51-44 at 5v5 Corsi advantage for, for Nashville, uh, 29-23 in actual shots on goal, uh, 22-20 to scoring chance advantage, and Colorado actually had the high danger chance advantage at 5v5 at the end of the game with 11-10. to So, some good there, um, but also some bad. Uh, the bad is that, uh, you know, you gave up. 22 scoring chances the you know I guess the quote the, the good part of that is that 12 of them came in the first period so for two-thirds of the game you know you were you were really good defensively you were rock solid defensively you know 10 scoring chances just is not very many across two periods and obviously the third period was played out in, a, in the way that it did because Nashville had a two-goal lead Classic conversation about score effects. That's what they're. That's what they are. That's why we have those conversations. That's why we bring bring them up. But Colorado still, you know, kind of did what they needed to do. Um, at least in terms of, you know, they at least controlled the shot share. They those numbers look somewhat like they should in that situation. Obviously, you don't score goals. Who gives a shit? Uh, and that's 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 really where we are right now with it. Um, Colorado's not—they're not playing well enough to get any kind of moral victories. They're not playing well enough to, to get any. Uh, you know, eh. It's early in the season. No, you lose six to seven. There's no excuses. You got to play better hockey, man. And that's that's really that's really where we are with Colorado after tonight. Um, it's they haven't played well enough. And obviously, there were some some circumstances tonight that contributed to that. But bottom line, they haven't played well enough. And um, yeah, I think that's a good I think that's a good uh, that's a good note to end this segment on. I'm gonna come back on the other side. I'm gonna talk about some guys that I actually did like from their game tonight. Um, get into there were some positives. Um, but there were there were two big negatives that I do uh, want to talk about. I will do that on the uh, the, the other side. So, um, yeah, don't go anywhere. It's the and Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go. I'll be right back.
1: The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, are neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory. And then a lot of the most common situations that that people are taking it are for pain.
3: That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinal, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. arthur and the folks over at elixinol's mission is to educate inspire and empower others to live naturally healthy happy lives to learn more and join the cbd conversation check out elixinol.com all
2: right we're back to the third and final segment here of the bsn avalanche podcast presented by in we go denver's best subscription service that can get you into almost any event in denver for just 39 dollars a month the service that I use, the service that I like, uh, the now nine and two Denver Nuggets uh, are coming home this weekend. I am planning on going to those games via InWeGo. Uh, use promo code BSN50 to get uh, half off of your first month. It's absolutely it's one hundred guys. I I I know that we we promote a lot of products on here, but we especially like promoting products that we're passionate about and products that we use ourselves. Um, In we go is something that I've been. I used it all summer to enjoy the Rockies' run to the playoffs. I'm using it right now to enjoy the Nuggets' run to what I expect will be a playoff season for them. Uh, You can use it for the Avalanche games as well, although that's a little bit trickier at the moment. You can also use it for a bunch of different events in Denver. You know, I I enjoyed a a a haunted house experience that I'd never gotten before because uh, I used I used it popped up on In We Go in October and it was a great time. Uh, it's a really cool service I, I strongly encourage uh, our Denver listeners and and if you're in one of the cities if you're you know if you're a Phoenix area listener and you live in Atlanta or Washington DC I know it's also in those cities as well so you're welcome to use it in those cities too um, before it expands even further it's a great service uh, they're great guys that work there um, they, they've always been really cool to us it's a big it's it's a big time service that I'm I'm a really big fan of and I really do want as many of you guys to get in to, to experience it um and and give it a give it a chance and you know and if you don't like it then hey you don't like it and I totally understand everybody have des- has decisions to make with the money that they make and you know you only have so much coin to spread around um but if you do have an opportunity to I do definitely encourage in we go it's an awesome company it's a great service um it will not it will not leave you feeling like a movie pass does trust me as as one of the few people still hanging on to the movie pass train uh I'm really just lighting that money on fire and we go will not give you that feeling Anyway I'm going to go ahead and get on with it here uh I said there are two things that I really want to talk about uh in this in this segment uh, before I get to the couple of positives that I liked from tonight's four-one loss to the Predators, uh, and those two things are Tyson Berry and and Eric Johnson. You know, these t- it's strange because these two guys have been the you know the the two guys who have kept Colorado's blue line watchable over the last few years uh, of of some terrible terrible defenses, and we started to started to get a feeling like that that tide was turning. Last year, when Sam Girard showed up, Patrick Nemeth ended up being a bit of a bit of a revelation, um, just in in terms of no expectations, but a solid third pairing guy, a flawed player who you know can can at least help you out. Same thing with Mark Barberio, uh, and we're seeing those guys in much more appropriate roles this year, uh, doing doing better. You know, I I feel like both of those guys have been been all right in the games they've played in. Patrick Nemeth um, had a bad night tonight uh, following a bad performance in Vancouver. So we might uh, uh, we might see Mark Barbario slide into a lineup here uh, pretty soon if uh, Nemeth does not tighten the screws on his game. Um, they added Ian Cole, and Ian Cole I think has been their most consistently good defenseman so far this season. Sam Girard has had his expected ups and downs of a 20-year-old. Flashes of absolute brilliance um, With with some maddening inconsistencies Hell, we saw both the good and bad of Sam Gerrard tonight uh, He lost his man in defensive zone coverage in the first period That led to a goal against Created two goals for Colorado One of which actually was counted So, um, you know Praise the merciful NHL for allowing some good things to, to happen in Denver tonight uh, But Anyway, uh, Barry and Johnson. I mean, these these are some guys who have been on some terrible defenses, and they've had some terrible partners over the years. Uh, old, slow, and and bad, and or bad. You know, sometimes all three, sometimes one of the three, sometimes two of the three, often two of the three. Um, and and now you know you look at you look at this blue line, this Avalanche blue line, you say. This is the most talented group that they've they've assembled in years, just in in raw ability. This is the most talented group that they've they've ever had a chance to play with in Colorado. EJ obviously had a chance to play with a really good group in St. Louis right before they took off, um, and then you you know there's such high expectations, and we've we've talked about the the slow start from from Tyson Berry, and yet. He still produces points, right? You're you're looking at him and you're. It's 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 funny because he has 11 points in 15 games, and I don't think anybody would tell you he's played well to start the season, and yet the dude is on an 82 game pace of sixty of sixty point season right now. That's crazy, like, and that's so Tyson Berry. He'll stumble his way into some points. Um, and you just don't know how it happens, but you never really feel like he's playing that well. And then, um, you know, and and then you'll see him actually turn it on and start to take over games. Well, tonight we saw him maybe, I don't want to say take over a game, but tonight might have been the worst I've ever seen him play with specifically with the puck. Now, obviously those statements are always dripping with recency bias and, could I name another bad game from three years ago that he had off the top of my head? Absolutely not. But point is that <laughs> I've watched a lot of Tyson Berry. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you've watched a lot of Tyson Berry. And uh, tonight against Nashville, it's definitely one of the, the the times where he has looked awful. I mean, he just was terrible. Terrible tonight with the puck it was i mean just it was it was bad i mean turnovers lazy icings i mean just just not good it i i was almost shocked to be honest with you at how bad he was um just because it's it's just not like him you know and then and it was funny because he would come back and he would make a good defensive play and I'm like who the hell is this guy um, but not not uh, not consistently good tonight uh, in any facet uh, even though he made a couple of nice defensive plays uh, one of them he skated hard uh, got back and 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 broke up a good scoring chance uh, with an aggressive move towards the puck carrier and I liked that. Uh, but then he immediately gathered the puck and threw it up the wall and it got turned back over to Nashville. And it was just like, it was just one of those nights where you just throw your hands up in the air. And, um, you know, Colorado tonight, it was it was interesting. I wrote the grades. I gave out a lot of good grades tonight because I felt like the bottom lines played pretty well and I felt like half of the defense was okay or better tonight. But Colorado's best players were not good enough tonight. And Colorado was not built to win that way. I mean there are very few teams who are built to win when their best players are not playing well. But if if Colorado's top guys are not rocking and rolling and we saw Nathan McKinnon was the best of the top line tonight, he had some amazing plays, some some great great displays of his his raw ability and his ridiculous hands and quicks. Uh, just couldn't quite finish anything. He did snag an assist on the uh, the Calvert goal as he set up Gerrard for the one-timer. Uh, one of those cheap secondary assists where hey I mean all he did was just lay a puck four feet away from him and Gerard you know teed it up and did you know fired the shot and Calvert did the dirty work but hey it, it counts it's a point right but I don't feel like his line uh, his linemates were were as good and Landis Coggin, and ranson and we've seen McKinnon when he's tried to carry a line all by himself we all you know it was it was called the first four years of his career Um. Maybe you know, maybe not that first year so much. That might be an exaggeration. It definitely is. But point being, we've seen McKinnon do this, and and it's not it's not enough. You know, you need help. Every player in the world needs help. Look at Connor McDavid in Edmonton. The guy's amazing. Needs help. All these guys. Hockey is not a sport where one dude can win. But when your best players are not playing as your best players, it's real hard to win. Right now, that's happening. Eric Johnson, you know, as tough as it's been with Tyson Berry and trying to figure out what's going on with him, again, he's produced 11 points in 15 games. So there's been some production there. But Eric Johnson, not a lot of production. Um, you know, needs to needs to produce more offense than he has. I, I don't have the same insistence that he score a lot of goals. Um, but right now he's got six points You know and that's that's the same as Sam Girard And he's he's had twice as many shots on goal as Sam Girard um, and, and, and half of Girard's points have come on the power play And none of EJ's have That said You don't ever really feel like Eric Johnson is impacting the game the way that he used to You know his minutes are down, his shifts are down And uh, his his shift to shift impact. It it looks like he hasn't quite adjusted to playing twenty minutes a night, twenty one minutes a night. Um, you remember last year when he was playing twenty five to twenty seven, he was really really into that role. You know, he really felt very comfortable with uh, that responsibility, and I think he kind of liked. You know, the swagger of being the man. And right now, he's averaging 21.52 of ice time. Uh, That's, you know, for a top pairing, for a top defenseman on a team, that is not very much. Uh, As there are um, four guys averaging on the abs, averaging more than 19 minutes uh, in Johnson, Barry, Gerard, and Cole. So, it's not... (laughs) Excuse me. Oh, it's 3 a.m. here as I'm finishing up this segment, so you'll have to excuse the on there. Um, it's, it's not that he's not, you know, throwing some pucks on net. It's just that you never feel like he's really dangerous. You feel like offensive chances are going to die on a stick. It's just... He just isn't playing the impact uh, role that he needs to be. And it's... It's just so frustrating um, because when he's on, Colorado is really, really good. Imagine that. You know, he's their best all-around defenseman right now. Um, and you know, I, I mean, I know Sam Gerard is going to take that mantle from him. Uh, it won't be long. But right now, you I'd still have to give it to EJ. Um, but he just isn't showing it and he's playing all these minutes and so many of them go by with, it's just like, all right, well, not a lot happened there. Not a lot happened there. And you know, his, his, the fancy stats, when you actually break into some of the eye, uh, some, some of the numbers, it's not, it's not bad. You know, if you look at scoring chances for, um, Eric Johnson at five V five tonight, 10, four, uh, seven against high danger chances, five, four, four against, you know, Nashville had a 13 to 10 shot advantage and a 20 to 19 Corsi event advantage, but the quality of chances went Colorado's way with EJ on the ice. But when you get into, okay, well, what did, what did EJ actually do? You know, he had five shot attempts and that's, you know. To avoid, he had two high danger uh, chances for tonight, and nothing happened. Did not go in. No points. And that's kind of that's kind of where he's at right now. I mean, it's 15 games into the season. He has no goals this year. And you know, you just you want to see better from him. And I broke it down in the last segment. Um, it's he's he's not. Um, his his read on the second goal. Sorry, uh, his read on the second goal. Uh, w- where he was on the wall, not really doing anything over there. He wasn't really accomplishing any, any anything, and he kind of left Gerard hanging on uh, the Sissons on the second goal of the night. Uh, he's over there on the bench, and he's not accomplishing anything. He's not covering anybody. And then he leaves Gerard hanging, puts him in the 2-on-1 situation, which again opened up the gap, which allowed the shot on goal to take place, uh, which shouldn't have beat Varley, but did. And, uh, you know, the whole thing would have been avoidable had Eric Johnson had a better read on the play, and he wasn't able to get back in time to to make any kind of discernible difference. And that's too frequently the case with EJ right now, uh, I really think he needs he needs one of those classic Condor games. You got to get him one of the one of the games where you know he needs he needs one of those goal and assist games where he's got five shots on goal and he's got three hits and you know he plays twenty five minutes and he plays on all the units and and gets you know gets a little mojo going. Maybe maybe Jared Bednar needs to stop being so democratic with his. Uh, with his ice time and get a little more fascist with it, get get a little bit, you know, start start giving a little bit more to EJ and and maybe maybe that's what he needs to get him going a little bit is a 25 minute night instead of all these 21 22 minute nights. So um, definitely need to see more from Eric Johnson. Definitely need to see more from Tyson Berry. Um, overall, I feel like Colorado's defense. Uh, you know, it's funny because they gave up seven goals against Vancouver, and I don't feel like they were that bad defensively. I felt like Philip Grubauer was that bad in net. That's for sure. Um, but I'm I'm of the opinion um, that those two guys, um, Barry and Johnson, need to pick their games up a whole different level uh to to get colorado kind of right and you know right and moving in the correct direction i think defensively they'll get a hell of a lot better and they'll uh they'll really thrive defensively if those two guys pick up their game and really get going and tyson berry we talk about secondary scoring and i say this all the time but defensemen also count as secondary scoring and while he has 11 points in 15 games you aren't seeing the kind of impact offense that we're accustomed to, but he's got, he's, he's been taken off the the top power play unit and, you know, Gerard is, is produced. And so it's, you know, it's, it's just as Barry needs to find, he needs, he needs to find his way through the fog right now, uh, figure out his game. And if, if all these guys can start clicking on, on even, even just a little bit at the same time, you know, you can't waste all the games that they've had healthy on this. They've had 15 games of good health on defense. You know, you know with Eric Johnson hanging around, you never know how many you're going to have. And so they really need to start locking in and getting getting a hell of a lot better. So, um, yeah, I really do. Uh, I really think those guys need to get better. Uh, I'm going to touch briefly on the guys I, I did like tonight. Uh, I really liked both uh, Kerfoot. Uh, and Colin Wilson to a lesser extent Sheldon Drys uh, Drys had a great play on a 4 check That caused a turnover that turned into a scoring chance He obviously also had the uh, Shorthanded breakaway which completely Changes the game if he scores on it He did not and that's kind of how The night went All the big moments Nashville capitalized on Colorado did not um, And then of course there were the Officials so that was also Fun uh, I did like that line Again though I thought they were. I thought they were really solid. Um, you look at you look at shot share. They thumbs up. Um, Matt Calvert, I thought was good. Got his first goal. Thumbs up to him as well. Um, did not love the fourth line, but didn't hate him either. They were just sort of there. Very 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 low event. Of course, uh, limited minutes. And again, this is the kind of uh, you know I feel like I feel like we already devote more time talking about those guys than is really necessary. Um, Kamenev uh, had a penalty tonight; was not good enough in the faceoff circle. Where he, that's that's I think that's faceoff and penalty kill. I think is really going to be a pathway to more playing time for him. So he definitely needs to be more consistent there. Um, Marco Dino played another game where I honestly don't remember a single shift of his all night, so I don't know. Anyway, um, and and McKinnon was actually awesome in in a lot of ways tonight. Uh, did not, uh, not not good enough defensively. I feel like he was a little too puck watchy, and that that line got caved in tonight. I mean, just caved in. They gave up a ton of shots and a ton of scoring chances. Um, not good. normally being attached to that line does good things for your uh for your fancy stats. It did not tonight. It certainly did not do good things for anybody. <laughs> um, but I did I did really uh like that Kerfoot Wilson uh, dries combination. I don't know how much longer I believe that will continue to happen. uh it feels like they're playing with some fire there, but, Hey, as long as, as, long as Sheldon Dries continues to do his thing, man, you, you you keep running him out there. He's played well. He's earned it. Let's see how this goes. Uh, would like to see that line score. I mean, they did score tonight, but would like to see them score a goal that actually freaking counts. So, um, this would have been their third game in a row with a goal. It got wiped out, so that streak ends. But... It looks like they there's a potential that they could have found something there. It will be very interesting to see what happens. It looks like both Tyson Jost and Sven Andrgeth could possibly be ready to go by as early as Friday against Winnipeg. Both were full participants in uh, morning skate this morning, I guess yesterday morning, um, and uh, we'll you know we'll get an update uh, <laughs> after practice here in just a handful of hours. On on uh, what their status is It will be interesting that those guys slot into the lineup What lineup changes uh, do get made You might be looking at unlikely But you might be looking at a fourth line Of uh, Tyson Jost, Sven Andergetto, And of course Gabriel Bork So uh, that would be interesting it would be, it would be nice if they would move Kamenev over to uh, left wing Or Jost over to left wing And they have a fourth line uh, like that where at least you're talking about there's there's a lot of skill out there and there's some intrigue um, and not quite the alright go out there and just don't screw this up fourth line that they have right now with the no Bork and Kamenev. Um, so the lineup choices will be very interesting It's something we'll keep an eye on uh, moving forward and as well as um, the Matt Calvert role on the power play. He's really only there because they needed somebody to fill in, because Andrew Ghetto, Comfer, and Joost are the guys that normally play in that spot. So uh, they're down to their fourth dude there. Um, and also, hey, quick shout-out Carl Soderberg. I, I love watching how hard this guy works every night. Uh, he does – he he takes a lot of dirty jobs from, from Colorado. And um, – Um, really, just solid, quiet guy. Um, just goes about his business. I I've said it a million times. I think he should be Colorado's second line center and be given, uh, you know, a, a more offensive role. But somebody's got to do the dirty work. And with J.T. Confer out, Carl Soderberg is the guy. Uh, is I should say the clear cut obvious guy. Confer would have been the other good uh, option for me, but. Soderberg has that job He's playing next to Nieto and Calvert They clearly like him in that role Bettner loves that And uh, you know I like watching him play I just like watching the man play He's You know Not going to do enough scoring um, for, for me in that role to, to justify Continuing to put him there When he's got a higher offensive ceiling Than he's being given an opportunity To really get into But Yeah That's life sometimes. So uh, just a quick shout out to him. I have really enjoyed watching him play this season. Uh, And that's going to do it for me. This podcast ended up running way longer than I expected it would. Uh, I am going to close my eyes for about 10 minutes and then head to practice in the morning. So I hope everybody has enjoyed this. Uh, Hopefully uh, my coworkers will be joining me tomorrow. So, uh, hey. I will uh, catch you guys later. Thank you for uh, listening. It's a BSN Ammonch podcast presented by In We Go.